This is the Beaver Tales Podcast with Josh Wharton, who has covered Oregon State Athletics since 2013. Well, thanks for joining me here on the Beaver Tales Podcast, where we talk with former Oregon State student-athletes about their memories at OSU and life since then. We go back just a few years on the men's basketball program with Olaf Schaftenar today, who joins me from Spain. Olaf played four years at Oregon State, 2012 through 2016, played in 122 games for the Beavers, top 10 all-time in that category, known for his silky three-point shot, especially as a six foot ten forward, and he was a good shooter and has gone on to play professionally. He's from the Netherlands originally, went back to Holland for a little bit after OSU, now has been playing in Spain for the last two years, played in Madrid in his first year, now he plays in Girona. Um, so he's been back in Europe ever since OSU. We talk about living in Spain, the culture, not just of the country as a whole, but his specific region. He's kind of near Barcelona is where his team is located. Um, he's also got a connection with Los Angeles Lakers center Mark Gasol. That comes up, plus some memories of OSU and playing for Wayne Tinkle. So here is former Oregon State forward, men's basketball player, and just a really funny guy, Olaf Schaftenar. Olaf Schaftenar joins me from Spain. Olaf, how are you doing on a Saturday evening? Good, man. Good, man. Thanks for having me. As we talk, people will listen to this, I think, on Thursday is when I'll upload it. But as we talk, we're a few hours away from Oregon State playing Oregon uh, back here. And, well, I guess it'll be in Eugene. So um, you've had some good memories playing against the Ducks. We don't we don't know how this game will go tonight. But uh, what, are, what are your memories of some of the games matching up against Oregon and, and Gill and down at Matthew Knight Arena? Man, like those, those are some of the, in, the most intense games you play, you know, because you – you know, the week leading up to, to the Civil War games, like everyone's getting excited. Like you, you just notice like around Corvallis, how, how much that game means to people. And, you know, we're, we're fortunate to to, uh, to win a couple of games against them. You know, we also lost a couple, but uh, I just remember how intense those games were and it's really fun to play in. You're in Spain now, second year that you played in this league. How is Spain treating you at the moment? Uh, I mean, good. Um, I really enjoy being here in Spain. Uh, right now with the COVID situation, like everything's a little bit uh, different, but that's everywhere. Um, but the city that I'm in is Girona, and it's it's a really neat little town. And uh, yeah, I'm enjoying my time here. Um, I just wish like everything would be open, but it's not. Uh, but like I said, that's kind of everywhere and uh we're just trying to make the best of the, the situation that we have and uh, no it's it's been really good really fortunate to be here last year you were in madrid same league same country different team and coming over from the netherlands there's so many different obviously pretty much every european country has at least a league if not multiple leagues and a ton of teams and a ton of players amongst all these professional leagues and you can go to australia you can go different countries in asia i mean there's so many leagues how how do you find amongst all the opportunities like how do you settle on this is the team i'm going to play for it seems like there's just it'd be hard to like make connections or depending on the players who have agents all that so how did you decide on the teams that you've played for how did that all work out yeah, yeah, that that's really my agent's job to uh, kind of decide what's what's the best uh, path for me to take. Um, so yeah, I, I just trust my agent on that. Um, 
he made sure that, you know, uh, whatever the situation I was going to be in, like, uh, would open up different opportunities for me after, after a year. Um, so yeah, no, I've, I've been fortunate to, to be able to end up in Spain and, uh, work my way up from here. Uh, because like the, the league that I'm in, like, uh, it just gives a whole lot of op- new opportunities if you do well in this league. Uh, it's not not necessarily one of the you know top three four leagues in Europe, but it's definitely like in the top ten leagues. Uh, so like if you do well here, like you definitely you know give yourself a lot of opportunities. Do you speak much Spanish yourself? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Um, the thing here is that I'm in Catalonia, uh, and like so, all my Spanish teammates are actually Catalan. So they don't speak Spanish that much. Oh. Uh, so they speak Catalan, and like if when they talk Catalan, like I don't, I don't understand nothing. <laughs> uh, so uh, when they speak Castellano, which is like normal Spanish, then I can talk a little bit, and like I can, I can hear what they're saying. But when they talk amongst each other, then it's impossible. So is it mostly just English that you converse in, or you, I don't know how good their English is. Uh, most of my teammates speak speak very well, um, but like if if I'm the only non-Catalan people, uh, Catalan person in the room, and there's like five Catalan people, like they'll just talk in Catalan, and I'll, <laughs> I'll just you know pretending I'm not really there. Uh, no, but they they're all good guys, so like it's it's uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic, but uh, yeah, you know it's it's they're very proud that they're Catalan. So they will speak Catalan whenever they can, basically. Huh. Uh, that's really interesting. It, it, it is fascinating to see like the different regions and the different kind of culture, like the, the pride in speaking the language in the area. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. What, what other like elements of the region have you got where like, if, if you're not from Spain, you might just think of Spain as one country, but I'm guessing you're learning mm-hmm. some particular things about, oh, people in this region are different than people in Madrid or that sort of thing. What are the, some of the things you've seen? No, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, so yeah, I was talking to one of my teammates who is Catalan about that. And, um, so you have, I, like, I don't know all the regions, but you got a lot of different, uh, like actual like languages in Spain that only people from the area speak. Uh, so like you got Catalan, but you also got like uh, Basque in uh, in Basque country, uh, and then like in the south, I'm sure you have like uh, other kind of dialects, but like they all know Spanish. Uh, it's just like when you know people from one area talk to each other, they will talk in their their own dialect. Uh, so no, it's it's really interesting, really fun to to get to know more about you know that stuff. The team that you're playing for now, and I'm not going to pronounce it like a true Spanish person or even anyone from Europe, but Girona or however, however you you, know, yeah, you, you no, pronounce no, it better. <laughs> uh, is it true that that team was founded by Mark Gasol? That is true. Yeah. Actually, when I signed with the team, he added me on Instagram and I was like, is this, is this his real account? No, but, uh, he actually practiced with us, uh, before he left to go to, go to the States again. Uh, so he practiced with us like for two months, like three times a week, which is pretty cool. 
he's an amazing guy, really smart, really uh, helpful, friendly. So it, it was a really good time, you know, having him there in practice. And, you know, when Mark Gazzol practices with the team, like everybody goes 150%. So uh, that helps out. Yeah, did you did you match up with him at all? Guard him, hit a three in his face, anything like that? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not I'm not gonna gonna get into that, but no, we we had some we had some fun uh, fun moments for sure. That's awesome. Uh, you you've got two brothers who also have played some pro ball. Ruland is still in the thick of his pro career, and you're not that far. Well, you're not that far geographically in terms of the same country and the same league, even. But you may not even get be able to play against each other. Uh, tell me about where Ruland is at, and potentially if you could match up against him. Yeah, so he's like six hundred miles, uh, kind of like southeast. Uh, am I saying it right? No, southwest from where I'm at. Uh, so, like, it's still kind of far. It's like eight-hour drive or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, he's he's in a different group uh, that where I'm in. Uh, so, either if we both do really bad or we both do really well, we'll, we'll see each other uh, in, in the next phase. So, like, hopefully it's when we, you know, both do good and we'll we'll see each other in the, in the, in the winner's group. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. It'd be, it'd be really fun to play against him. Um, I haven't really, you know, ever played against him. So yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. What is the league setup? Uh, I mean, a lot of different teams, you know, you've got like the first phase, the second phase, and then every league probably does a little bit different of which teams make the playoffs and how you do that determination. And then what, you know, single elimination or best of seven, what, mm-hmm. what is, what does your league do? Yeah, so there's 19 teams total. Uh, so my group is 10 teams and the other group is nine. And in both both groups, the top five teams go to the the winners group and the rest goes to the, to the losers group. And then uh, the first seven of the winners group, they go in the playoffs uh, with the top team from the losers group. And then the bottom four teams of the losers group they go down to the third league. So, like, if you're in a losers group, like, it's a tough situation. Yeah. What I'm curious about your your growth, both within basketball and beyond basketball. Kind of the the biggest way you change, the biggest thing basketball has impacted you on and off the court. Let's start with just within basketball. How how has mm-hmm. your playing style changed? Do you? shoot more threes more you know dribble into shots is your defensive mechanics different like what what's some of the ways that people who watched you at Oregon State but haven't seen you since then mm-hmm. they see a different Olaf Schaftenar on the court uh, I, I think I've become uh, a little bit more versatile uh, I think I've become at Oregon State I was a little bit uh, more on the heavy side for me personally uh, right now I'm about like 220 225 uh, and I'm, I'm feeling really good. Um, yeah, I, I just try to like dis- diversify my game a little bit, you know, not only shooting threes, but also going to the hoop. And, um, also defensively, I, th- I think we've gotten a lot better, uh, especially guarding switches. Like we switch a lot on defense. So, uh, guarding smaller players and being smart with that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's mainly it. I'm guessing even getting down to 225 being six foot 10 i'm guessing you're still not eating like 500 calories a day what what is a what is the day in the life of a pro basketball player diet look like for a six foot 10 forward like yourself 
you know, I usually, my breakfast is usually like something like oats, uh, just really simple oats with maybe a little bit of honey or something and some fruit. And then the club does a really good job of providing us with, with meals. Uh, so, I mean, like my diet, diet isn't that strict. Like if you breakfast a lot, like we do, like you don't need to count your calories or anything. Like you just have to make sure that, you know, you don't, you know, eat, eat crazy stuff. But like, if, if you, if you watch a little bit, what you eat, like you're, you're going to be good. Yeah. How about beyond basketball? You, you made a joke before we started recording. Wait, there, you're supposed to be a person outside of basketball. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Um, and I'm I mean, after all, you're not that far removed, but, uh, what have been, I don't know, maybe a, a passion you developed, a, a personal area of growth, something that you care more about now than you did at OSU, or or maybe life is just really consumed by basketball and you haven't done a whole lot of philosophical self-reflection outside outside <laughs> of that. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Uh, tell me about kind of your, your personal life lessons beyond basketball. Well, you know, I, I've noticed when, uh, when in college and especially as a student athlete, like your day is feel like you don't have a lot of time to uh you know sit around and do nothing and like just you know think about life uh so like once i get out of college like people are not uh on you as much anymore like you know if you want something you gotta do it yourself and uh there was a lot of getting used to because like in college you know, either the coaches or your academic advisors or whatever, like they make sure you're on uh, what you need to be on. And uh, in real life, that's, that's not the way it works. Like if you want something, you got to take responsibility. And yeah, I, I think I've grown a lot in that. Not that I was like irresponsible, but like uh, in life, if, if you, if you want something like you got to work for it and you got to take it yourself and especially in sports or, you know, whatever career, like it's just not only in sports, but you just got to work hard. And uh, if you work hard, good, good things will come, you know? I like that. What do you think you'll, you'll put that to use to, especially, you know, once basketball is over, hopefully that's 10, 20 years down the road or however long you want to play. But uh, where do you think that'll come into effect, both in terms of what career you might get into or, or other passions you want to pursue after basketball? Man, I really don't know. I really don't know. I might go into coaching because I really, I really like the sports and sport and I like, uh, you know, working with people, but I also see myself like doing something totally different, like going into like some corporate, uh, function, whatever. But yeah, for, for now I'm still playing and, uh, I try not to worry about it, uh, that much, but at the same time, like, uh, you never know like how long, you know, you're going to be able to play. So it's, uh, it's an interesting time to like figure out, you know, what, what the next step is going to be. Let's go. I've got a couple, uh, wrap up with a few questions from your time at Oregon state. Cause you, it was an interesting mm -hmm. time. This, this is when I was, you know, covering the team for the barometer and it was a, a fascinating era of Beaver basketball, the, the end of the Craig Robinson tenure ushering in the Wayne Tinkle era. And you were right in the thick of that. What are your memories of what it was like, when Craig Robinson was gone, Wayne Tingle comes in the interim period between that and that whole process of a, of a new coaching, right? When you were in the program, what, what was that like? Uh, well, it was very interesting because, um, I remember, you know, as a, as a Pac-12 school to have open tryouts to fill up your team is not really, you know, what, what you thought was supposed to be like, 
So yeah, I remember, you know, my junior year was, uh, you know, Tinko coming in and uh, we have like seven scholarship players. And, you know, the, the rest were guys that really like uh, had to come and try out and, and, and try to make the team. But that made for such a fun year because, you know, everybody just just worked very hard to like, you know, make something out of nothing, really. And, uh, you know, we, we had the, the, the pre, pre-season media polls, you know, saying that we win, like, five games total. And, like, you know, uh, we managed to, like, have a pretty decent season. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun that year because, you know, everybody bought in and no no one was on their own, like, agenda. And, like, everything was for the team. And it was a really fun year. That's that's one of the most fascinating seasons of Oregon State basketball in, in a long time. In fact, I had mentioned to you before recording that I'm doing this podcast documentary on the on the baseball team, but I'm already kind of planning a second series that is specifically in Oregon State basketball in that season, the 2014-2015 mm-hmm. season. And not because of some crazy postseason success. You didn't even go to the, po- in, the no. NCAA tournament, NIT, nothing. And even though the 2016 season, your your last game ever was actually in the NCAA tournament, first time Oregon State had made it in, I think it was 26 years since 90. And yet, I kind of had more fun. I mean, they're both fun. But the 2014-2015 season was a really fun year. I, I don't even know. Yeah. I, like like you said, seven scholarship players or whatever it was. Why, why did that work out as well as it did? Like, what, what was it? should have been a terrible year by all respects, but it wasn't. Why was that? Yeah, I think, like I said, just everybody bought in. And, like, I mean, we did have some talent in the team, obviously, because otherwise you're not going to win anything. But I think our deep, like, obviously our coaches did a great job because, you know, we just slowed the game down so much and we just played such good defense. And then, you know, we were able to rest a little bit on offense and then uh, hit a couple of shots. And then, you know, we would just make sure that the other team didn't score. And then also I remember playing Oregon at home and uh, and Tinkle decided to start the five Oregon guys, uh, which was super cool. Like we ended up losing the game, uh, but that was a really really cool moment. I'm sure like all these guys will, you know, remember for the rest of their lives that they started against Oregon. But yeah, I'm I, I'm sure it was just the fact that everybody bought in and everyone just didn't care about you know themselves, but just went all out for the team every game. And all the guys have asked who were the scholarship players none of them cared like oh Wacom's gonna start the final game of the year and there was no like ego no like what are you what are you doing no I'm I'm the starter like nobody nobody has said that and it seems even you you were like that that was awesome even though it took you out of the lineup (laughs) yeah I I remember I I don't remember who we played before that game but uh Tinkle and I were walking off the plane and and Tinkle kind of jokingly said like you know I'm thinking about starting all the Oregon guys against Oregon I'm like okay like yeah, sure. That's that's a great plan, but I thought he was joking. But then he really did it, and uh, no, it was it was it was amazing. All right, thanks so much for your time, Olaf. Looking forward to having people listen to this. Best of luck going forward with with everything going on in Spain, and thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it.
Well, that was a lot of fun to talk to Olaf. And like I said, we recorded that conversation just a couple hours before the Oregon State-Oregon basketball game. And now I'm recording this outro just a few minutes after the Oregon State-Oregon game. And the Beavers did win, handily, in fact, uh, as if Olaf was back on the court uh, along with GP2 and Daniel Gomez and all those guys. This team has really bounced back from the Arizona debacle and won three straight now. And uh, as you're listening to this Thursday or sometime after that, who knows what will happen over the next few weeks, but uh, right now, Oregon State coming off a win over the Ducks. That was fun to see and uh, cool to, to chat with an Oregon State men's basketball player from a few years ago leading up to that. Hey, real quick, I want to mention a charity. I do this on pretty much every episode, and this one's a local one, Old Mill Center. Any families and children in need right here in Corvallis or the surrounding area, counseling, other resources, Old Mill Center provides some really great options, daycare stuff as well uh, for families in need. So you can check out Old Mill Center. There's a link in the show notes and check out what a great organization is doing right here in our community. Thanks for tuning in to the Beaver Tales podcast. My name is Josh Warden. Hope to talk to you again soon. Until next time, have a great day, everybody. Go Beavs.